0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we sit down and talk about a fanfic that was a hit before your mother was born, assuming your mother was not born all that long ago. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori.
1: And Dom, and I don't think that's right.
0: (laughs) Oh, where's this fanfic from? Look, this fanfic was a hit before... My children's mother was born. So mothers were born, is what I'm saying. Yes. All right. <laughs> Great job, Amato. If you
1: say it with you enough don't... confidence, it'll sound like that's what you meant in the first place. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, was it a hit, though, I guess, is the question? The point is that we're talking about the Beatles, which is, uh, I think we, that's all we need. We just needed the reference. We can move on now.
0: I, I yeah. dearly needed that reference. All, all
1: you yes. need is Beatles. A reference. <laughs> Da, 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 da.
0: Yeah, Dom, you asked me whether this was going to become just the Meet the Beatles <laughs> episode of Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, And the answer is probably not, because I don't have enough of a command of Beatles song lyrics and titles. No
1: joke, I thought about just making up a list so I could try to pull them out, but I decided to, to not. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be better for everybody.
2: Yeah, it would have become so easily to my mind when I was like 12, but I don't think it's going to happen now. We'll see.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, look, the fanfic's pretty old. It's older than us. Is okay. it? Oh yeah. Is it now? Uh, yeah. Tell much? us how old it is, Amato. What? Yeah.
1: Um, that's weird. That's older than you, is old it... man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it sixty-four? Uh, no, it was not sixty-four.
1: <laughs> when it is wow. sixty-four,
0: we will probably not be doing this podcast. But you know, we could will read we it again. we do this podcast when I'm sixty-four. <laughs> Uh, we won't still need you when you're 64. We'll have someone else. Harsh. You're know, replace <laughs> me with a younger model. <laughs> We're going to need to get that youth interest about old fan fiction in on this show. You yeah, know, you know of that course. cutthroat
1: world of podcasting is. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the young hot voices. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of young hot voices, meaning the Beatles, uh, yeah, it's a Beatles fanfic. It's our first delve into real person fan fiction, which is a thing. It is. I mean, I feel like you have to figure out to what extent the people you're writing about are real, but surprisingly real in this fanfic, which we're going to talk about a little later, I so think. So
1: if you did, like, monkeys fanfiction, that wouldn't fall into this category? What, what
0: kind of monkeys? Like, the gibbons?
1: Mon- the, the, the monkeys. <laughs>
0: are you saying the monkeys are not real people?
1: No, the actors that play them are real people.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I, yes, that would not be re. <laughs> okay,
2: let's talk about this for a second. The Beatles versus the Monkeys. Monkeys being like kind of a put together, constructed band, kind of like boy bands are, given the archetypes. Right. The Beatles are not dissimilar in the fact that they're they're a band who got together on their own, except for maybe Ringo. Point being is that they weren't marketed that way, but they sold these m- at first, but. They weren't constructed that way, but they still these movies where they kind of played amped up versions of their personalities. <laughs> right. And even if we talk about them not playing the caricatures of themselves in film, we're still talking about a whole huge fan community
0: that saw them as characters. Well, how about other people playing them as characters in cartoons or whatever? There's that too. <laughs>
2: But the the... thing is, is that's how the culture constructed their personalities was based on a bunch of different images, not based on who these people might have been if you actually spoke to them.
1: So putting the official nature aside, does that make the Beatles movies Beatles fan fiction? No, because they have the
0: the permission of the rights
1: holders. Putting that aside, (laughs) because they are Mm. playing like fake versions. I think it makes it fiction. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah fiction yeah. yeah for sure so just we haven't like, actually talked like, like the monkeys are
0: <laughs> just like the monkeys um now i think we all can agree that if you write about the archies it's not real person fan fiction because they're not real people is what i'm getting at yeah, okay okay so anyway <laughs> it was an uncontroversial statement there <laughs> we should actually talk about what the fanfic is the fanfic is called what's the fanfic called Remind uh, me. With strings attached. All I could think of was the name of the first book of this fan fiction. Mm. It's called With Strings Attached. It's got its own website. You can find a link there at bit.ly/rfrstrings, and the first part of the story is up for free, and the rest of it the author's selling as an ebook, which I, I don't know what legal questions that raises, and I don't particularly care. Or as a paperback, actually, it now that like I look it. at it.
2: I started um, reading the second part.
0: You started reading the second part? The oh, second I'd, movement. I just told you to
2: read the first one. Well, yeah, but you said the first part. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. The first and second movement are available, right? Right. Those are books. Oh, that's true. Those, those yeah. are books, right?
1: Movements?
0: They're books is okay. what they are. Yeah. Okay, anyway. I see
2: what you're saying now. I thought you... <laughs> uh, confused.
0: Oh, you read more than you needed to.
2: Oh, I did. Yeah,
0: because I did wanted to know where this was going. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to tell me. So... The author was into the Beatles. I'm summarizing here a whole lot. Okay. Into the Beatles, uh, got into D&D, started writing strings in, like, 1980. This is a long thing. I think 1980. Finished the first version of strings in 1989. But that means that they started writing it kind of between, looks like, 85 and 89, something like that. And when it was done, it was published in some way. But then the author also sort of started going back and rewriting it in fairly short order. Um, it was, or they put it up on the web, you know, in like 2000, and apparently it was fairly popular then. And but then the author kind of like went back and finished it way, way later. It's all very, it's all very confusing in my mind, even though the author lays it out fairly clearly in, you know, a, a file here on the, the website.
2: The um, the author sets the first chapter in April of 1980, mm-hmm. um, which is, of course, you know, what, like six months before John Lennon's death. Mm. Um, so I kind of had the impression that they started writing before John Lennon died, <laughs> So it no. was, it was interesting. So it is written after his passing. That's actually kind of interesting to me
0: considering the portrayal of the character. It's also interesting D&D being an influence on it because that's all I knew going into this was that it was some kind of Beatles isekai and it was like some kind of, you know, D&D influence thing, which meant I was not expecting. I was expecting something very different from what this fanfic turned out to be in terms of tone and content. <laughs>
1: Hmm. That is an isekai, mm-hmm.
0: isn't it? <laughs> oh, sure, it's an isekai. I mean, the word isekai is new. The concept is not new.
1: Yeah. I, I'm just having fun kind of transposing that into the modern movement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, if,
2: what does that mean?
0: If listeners are like Tori and don't know what this means, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a word out of Japanese, and it's the genre of someone being transported to a fantasy realm and, um, like, having to probably fight some goblins and gain levels or whatever. Isekai because, means
1: uh, another world or other world.
0: These days, a lot of isekai is very, like, um, what do you call it? Game fiction kind of thing, but it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be. It's just kind of the...
1: It's morphed into something else. It started off as sort of a niche little uh, unique genre, and it's since blew up to the point where you can, um, it's been manufactured to death at this point. So
2: it's like Alice in Wonderland?
0: Yeah. (laughs) More like El Hazard, but...
1: um... No. The trope is a character, like gets transported to another world, uh, either summoned or dies and gets reincarnated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go into another world, and they then have some sort of super magical cheat ability that makes them the best in the world, and they go through the entire world kicking ass, nicking names. Yeah, that sounds bad, right. Uh, and that's gotten so cliched that now there's ones but, where they get transported and don't have a cheat ability, and that's the hook. Wait, wait. Yeah, so the, so the, the <laughs> being super
0: awesome is not essential to the genre. It is part of the genre. Well, if that's the case, this is not isekai because the Beatles are the opposite of ass-kicking in this. They're, yeah. like, at the mercy of freaking everything. Which
1: is why I thought the comparison was funny at first.
0: <laughs> so, it's still like Alice in Wonderland. Um, what's no. Alice's superpower?
1: Yeah,
2: Alice, like, manages to get through everything by being clever, despite only being, like, 10 or 11 years old. I don't
1: think you're mm. quite grasping the amount of cheat abilities they have. I, I suppose I'm not, no. Yeah. yeah. They, they have, like, Game is broken. We win. I'm I'm a living god. Uh, sort of well, level. that doesn't sound not interesting. Not slightly clever in powers. Yeah, it's, it it is not interesting. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Good to know. It's definitely a lot of wish fulfillment but, there.
1: Yeah, but it is a very popular um, genre all its own now. Mm-hmm.
0: So we were getting at this before, or you know, inching towards it. But I was expecting something featuring kind of the cartoony. Yellow submarine, Beatles cartoon, like fictionalized version of the Beatles, because that's sure. who I thought would make sense to drop in some kind of D and D world. Yeah, because they have plenty of films about them where they're fictionalized versions of themselves. But what we actually get is, it's not those versions. It's, I mean, it's hard to say historical versions about people who are in some cases they're still alive. That's but not like a
1: cartoon, and stuff. grounded
0: in the lives of these people in 1980, whatever. When does it start? April 11th, 1980. 1980. Like, their circumstances the of the real Beatles people in there are kind of the where they're all launching off from as characters. But yeah. it's
1: not the cartoon, and it's not the um, Beatles movies. Characters.
0: No, this is like John Lennon married to Yoko Ono. This is like, yeah. you know, George Harrison, who, like, is very Buddhist, maybe too Buddhist in this fanfic.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. I just want to disclose up front that I had a busy week with a seasonal job, and... Rehearsals for *Midsummer Night Dream*, mm-hmm. and I didn't actually manage to make it around to reading this, so I'll just be um, asking a lot of probing questions. I think. All right, I'm So, gonna, are
0: you uh, familiar with the Beatles?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am familiar with the Beatles, but not as much as everybody else seems to be. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I grew up kind of passively listening to the Beatles. Like we had some CDs and like mixtapes that we went through, but I never, at any point, like researched. Never got whole albums to sit down and listen to them or looked up the history of it. Because I was just enjoying the music, pretty much. So How I, dare you? I don't know too much yeah. about the lore. I know Paul is dead, but that's about it. <laughs> it's true. So just hopefully I can make through, through this podcast with a little help from my friends. Mm-hmm.
0: Well done. <laughs> uh, going up from, from you, I know more, but mostly through like weird osmosis and such. Mm-hmm. For example, I couldn't tell you between Paul and George which one maps to Princess Morbucks and which one maps to him. So, you know, I, I'm just not that familiar.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> Obviously, Ringo is Fuzzy Lumpkin and, you know, John yeah. is Mojo Jojo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but, Tori, I think you're going to save us here, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I um, I went through a, a belated Mania in my youth. <laughs> I mean, like, you know... I I was one of those kids who grew up on classic rock, listened to the Beatles, listened to Moody Blues, listened to Pink oh, yeah. Floyd growing up. And I went in middle school, like maybe around sixth grade. Just, I, I mean, I've always been a little like very into music and play guitar and stuff. But uh, I definitely had a Beatles phase and it was strong. And I watched all the films, listened to all the albums on repeat and immersed myself in the lore of the Beatles, like to the point where, you know, I felt connected with them as characters, which I think this author does. So I do think maybe that will help me lend some perspective on where this author is coming from.
1: So as the resident Beatles historian, what's the significance of starting in
2: 1980? John Lennon was killed in October of 1980. Mm -hmm. So I think what this author is doing is they started in April. So I think they're trying to do it, you know, this is about 10 years after the Beatles broke up. They're trying to do it right before he died. Because I, in my mind, what this author wants to explore is the fraught relationship of the Beatles, you know, almost a decade after they'd broken up mm-hmm. and what that felt like then. And I, I think they do that in this. I think... I think it's mostly about John and Paul because I think as, you know, when we look in on the Beatles, we think about their relationship. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the Lennon and McCartney, what happened there. And this author does a little bit of Yoko blaming, which actually quite a bit of Yoko blaming, which makes me sad.
0: Don't the characters do that?
2: Well, yeah, but I don't see the author like disagreeing Mm. with that. You know, uh, well, let's get into this from the start, and maybe we can talk about it.
0: Okay, so we start off with some weird dream from Paul, and Paul is the I would say the mainest viewpoint character, especially yes. early on. Yeah, and like he's having a dream. He's like watching TV in the dream, and like some you know weirdo glowing humanoid shows up in his dream, and is like, Hey, what are you enjoying this like Western or like adventure stories that you're watching on this TV? And Paul's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 cool. And the glowing figure is like, wouldn't you like to have adventures like that? And, you know, it's talking to him like, no, seriously, you want to have an adventure on another planet? And Paul, who is completely certain he's in a dream, is eventually like, Oh uh, yeah, sure, that'd be a lark. Why not?
1: Never follow a stranger to a second location. <laughs> <laughs> so safe.
0: <laughs> and this creature is like, great, well, we're going to do this. And by the way, this wasn't a dream. It's a telepathic contact that's easier to do while you're unconscious. So um, have fun.
2: Yeah, and they also say you won't remember anything that we talked about.
1: So all right. Well, so what spell is that?
0: This is actually not magic, which is one of the strange things about the fanfic.
1: So is that Dark Sun? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is.
0: It's not. Dark Sun was not a gleam in an advanced Dungeons and Dragons eye when this was written. Really? Yeah.
1: That was yeah. later eighties. Nineties. Nineties. Yeah. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. that late, huh?
0: I know. Barely even retro. That's not true. It's still retro. Darkson was the best. Yeah. Darkson mm-hmm. wasn't the best. Planescape was the best. Darkson was the second best.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that.
0: I mean, I it's, that. it's just because Deterlizzy, I like Deterlazy more than Brahm, even though Brahm is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone, all these Beatles fans who are listening to this podcast understand what I'm talking about, right? Right. Yeah. Totally. The point is, as we find out when we get back to this, you know, character who talked to Paul in around episode four, uh, chapter four, I mean. Mm-hmm is that these are aliens with super advanced technology.
1: I thought this was a D&D thing.
0: It's gonna... It's... it's <laughs> playing kind of, D&D inspired the author to write it, but it's not, in fact, a D&D crossover in any way. It's kind of super meta. Should we just, like, kind of identify exactly what's going yeah, on we're gonna, right now? Yeah, let's do yeah. that. These are aliens. If there's three aliens behind this. They are college students who are doing some kind of crappy sophomore research project. And in whatever society they're in, like, this idea of using their super powerful, like, technology to, like, pluck people out of one world and drop them in another and observe, it's like a field of sociology. And so the the, the impression you get is that they're doing a really crappy project that's, like, <laughs> not going to cover any new ground. It's just them kind of, like, replicating stuff that's already known. The In fact, their, like, supervisor at one point checks in with them and it's like, okay, so, like, these random people who you completely randomly <laughs> se- selected... Um, like, are they close enough to races that there's been research on that you're going to be able to, like, you know, apply existing knowledge? And, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. These totally random people that we chose are, um, yeah, we'll be able to do that. Incidentally, uh, the people they chose are the four Beatles. They were not chosen completely randomly. <laughs> no. And that comes up much, much later. But there's also... No, no, a, I mean, it like, comes up pretty early on. That, does it? Yeah, like, the main guy, Varks, is just a huge Beatles fan. And one of the other people is, yeah. like, with him. And, like, they've been making... They've been, like, getting the 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 music popular on campus among some of their, like, super advanced alien people. Mm-hmm. The third person is a senior who's, like, taking this class to, like, because uh, they couldn't pass it earlier or whatever and just latched onto their project.
1: Yeah. So this whole thing is the college equivalent of the baking soda volcano?
0: Yeah. <laughs> kind of. It's more like, uh,
2: I don't know. Well, there's this other thing that happens later where they enlist someone else to help them. And this other person they enlist to help them keep their project running is like considered to be like, what is it like a player? Like he's like, he's
0: part of some sub community of people who do this with beings, not for research, but for fun. Mm. Yeah. And a runner. And and he's got a D and D attitude towards it. He's like, okay, so what kind of powers do these guys have? Mm -hmm. And and like, yeah. So it's like pretty apparent that this is like throwing the
2: Beatles into a D and D universe. And it's, just kind of hilarious. Thing.
0: Well, all of that part is pretty funny. And, like, but not all funny because part of the ongoing alien plot thread is that the two people who chose this project did it because they're Beatles fans and they were like, oh, the Beatles aren't together anymore. And, like, basically, they're like, we want to throw the Beatles back together for a cool adventure. But then uh, they didn't really think that through.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, if you were Beatles fans who wanted to put them together in an adventure, then wouldn't you do it in some sort of Musical setting. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just dumb stuff out here <laughs> because that's
2: where the like the later on the runner player guy comes in. He's he's just like basically like a RPG fan who likes to loves to play D and D, but like uh, I guess AD and D because he's playing like a more of a computerized version of it. Mm-hmm. And what he does is bring real people into these worlds. So I guess it's a common thing to do. But there always seem to be fantasy esque settings, so that's weird because they're transporting them to other
0: planets. I'm not really sure. It's not spelled out, but it seems like they have like infinite dimensions to play with or whatever. Yeah. And so that's probably just what's fun. And like the, this player person who they work with later, yeah, he, you know, he's like, So so their music can like charm people or <laughs> like they do magic through it? And it's like no So in can't. this
1: world there there are other worlds that have magic on them?
0: In this cosmology, absolutely. Okay. And we should probably get to the main plot of the fanfic, because all that's going on in the background. So are they
1: transported to a place that has magic?
0: They are transported to a place that has magic, but they're just kind of dropped there Mm -hmm. with rejuvenated bodies back to like their Beatles era, Beatles mania era, you know, bodies.
2: Replete with mop tops and everything. (laughs) Like, it's kind of ridiculous. And they each have a guitar, and
0: that's all they're really given.
2: Yeah, but the first yeah the first thing that happens is it's John and Paul. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're at each other's throats. They begin to a physical fight because Paul thinks that John has... Wait, yeah. yeah Paul thinks John has done this on purpose, and what he says is this is one of Yoko's little plans or something. Like, she manipulated you into doing this to me, and I'm just like...
1: That seems like oh, a reach, God,
2: It's <laughs> quite a reach, but I understand this comes from the whole Yoko broke up the Beatles thing. And it's like, nah, y'all. Like, John Lennon is a piece of shit, by the way. Like, I'm just gonna lay that all out there. Like, he abused his first wife. I wouldn't be surprised if he was abusing Yoko Ono, too. Yoko Ono was a talented artist and an amazing person. I just don't see this gel But this is... I well, think it sounds like Yoko did do this, from. though. That's just words put in Paul's mouth. But that's what Paul thinks. And I still just don't think, looking at this like completely historical perspective, I don't think Paul... I don't think any of the Beatles thought that Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. I think other people did, hmm. you know? Hmm. And I, I think there's some racism there, too, I'm not going to lie. But
0: moving on from uh, that, I just not gonna, wanted to put that out there. I'm not going to argue, I mean, on that point. But, yeah, the... So, here's where, like, there's this big disconnect. It's like, there's kind of, like, the goofy opening, and whenever we get to the aliens, it's kind of funny because it's just, like, this weird, like, college milieu and, like, you know, these people getting in over their heads on their project. But for the Beatles, this is not in the slightest bit funny or lighthearted. Everyone is completely freaked out, you know, going through, like, you know, uh... I don't know what to call it. Like... It's very, very stressful, obviously. Mm. Yeah. People are in very squeeze of shock to some extent. Like for the first whole part of the first book that you know I read, it's called Fabulosity. Um George is kind of like, this is all the plan of Krishna. Like, if I'm if I'm religious enough, like, we're going to get out of this. Eventually, later on, he kind of accepts that, like, this was not an act of my God. Someone did this, but it wasn't, like, a God-driven yeah. thing. And then he feels like he can finally kind of breathe, but that's, like, eight chapters in. That's, and isn't that, like, almost at the end of part one? It almost is, yeah. Yeah. So for the first whole part, he's, like, you know, totally religion-obsessed, to try to deal with this. Of course, you know, obviously everybody else is. John latches on this idea really early on that, like, Look, we've all been brought together, like in our, you know, young bodies, we gotta have guitars. Clearly what we're supposed to do is play Beatles music, like as a Beatles reunion, and then we'll be sent back to where, you know, we came from.
1: That sounds like a plot a Beatles fan would come up with, yeah.
0: No, it's yeah. it's a reasonable theory and it's totally wrong, and it doesn't do anything, and obviously that just throws people into like, you know, greater despair <laughs> yeah. or whatever.
2: Well, I think <sighs> This is so weird. But yeah, the first thing that happens is, yeah, they, you know, like everybody finally finds each other. Kind of like the first thing is they they meet their first person from this world who's what, like a farmer? Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of talk of like cross chasmers, which they're supposed to be or cross chasm.
0: There's a whole cosmology and geopolitical situation they're dropped into. And in normal form, like they would rather not deal with it, but they kind of have to. Mm hmm. And so I forget a lot of the proper nouns involved in this story, in terms of place names and people names. There's a lot going on. It's not nearly as bad as, like, following a lot of kind of the epic fantasy genre, Mm -hmm. but it's that same direction, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where basically they're in this kind of part of the world across something called the chasm that is removed from the gods. This is considered to be by the farmers who live there, or, like, you know, the kind of the peasants people, considered to be a good thing, because gods are basically like meddling assholes and who wants to deal with them. Sure. Which is fair, right? Yeah. Uh, However, another social group crossed the chasm a while back and conquered them and said, hey, we've brought back the gods. We're here by divine right and you have to (laughs) do what the gods say. The gods are not, still don't actually have any influence here, but that's like the fiction used by the ruling class to justify their, you know. Well, we don't know if the gods have an influence or not. At this, uh, It's pretty clear that they don't. Is it? Uh, It pretty much is. Like the person who's in the know, the sorceress who they befriend later, like the kind of a wizard adventurer person um who's living at the castle. Oh, I forget well, people's. It's many names
2: chapters there. later,
0: but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, later okay. on, like, you know, she seems to know what's up a lot yeah. a lot okay. better. And like part of her problem is that she can't even apologize to the god who she offended because she's cut off from everyone's cut off from right. the gods there. Right. Anyway, so there's that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there they claim Just in that sort of like D and D bullshitting, like yeah, say yes, you are a god. They claim to be cross chasm really early from across the chasm really early on,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, which throws them into these other kinds of like possible problems. But we, it's kind of hard to explain. It's all very complicated.
1: So while while this is going on, is there anything about the fact that it's the Beatles going through this, and not some other characters um, add anything to it?
0: Not really. I mean the fact. The fact that they play music informs some of what happens in an immediate sense. But thematically, it doesn't... I don't know if it but, had to be the Beatles, no.
2: No, it definitely didn't in terms of the um, the, the plot of <laughs> this world. Like yeah, I was this expecting like... Plot. But the point is, is that... Their relationships are being tested
1: mm-hmm.
2: through going through what they do go through, which is a lot of hardship in this new world. So I think you're right. Like um, I think what you're suggesting, Dom, is this doesn't have to be the bills in this world. And in some ways, it feels like it's not.
1: Because like it sounds like they have a story written already of this fantasy story yes. with the gods and the chasm. I'm just wondering what the addition of real people add to it.
2: But, you know, I think that's the wrong way to look at it, because Mm -hmm. I think what they did is started from the place of, I want to talk about the Beatles. And for some reason, they created this whole other world. And they did it, you know, it's a pretty effective cosmology and a pretty effective, strong world. But I still think their main focus is this is all a vehicle for the Beatles' relationships with one another. Because again and again, it comes back to them and testing their relationships. However, yeah, I don't necessarily see the connection. I'm not like, yeah, this is the world that would make the Beatles want to come together. I really don't see that. But it's still always about their emotions and their feelings and like how they broke up and how they should get back together, basically.
0: Well, you mentioned the Be- making Beatles want to get back together. I kind of skimmed over it, but even just the negotiations to try to, like, get everybody to pick up an instrument mm-hmm. and play together is, like, pretty yeah. fraught, even from the word go. Yes. And it's not that they really want to be a group. It's that they have to as a survival mechanism because they are really – they've got no power. They're, they're scooped up by the ruling class pretty early on by kind of, like, you would call it, like, the conqueror queen of, like, this, you know, major city nearby to kind of be – personal bards on hand for like her warrior class Mm -hmm. and you know you would expect in a story like this for music to hold some special significance in the world yellow submarine style Mm -hmm. and it doesn't i mean they're appreciated because they're good musicians and they play music that people like that no one's ever heard before but that's not like a that's not a cosmological thing it's not a like magical thing it's just they've got guitars and they can play them
2: well, it is significant, though, because everywhere they go, they're valued for being bards. Right. So, but yeah, it's not magical. It's just that, like, it kind of saves their ass quite a bit, because if they weren't cross-chasm bards, people probably wouldn't, like, take any notice of them. But they're kind of, like, yeah, scooped up by
0: the royalty and stuff because yeah, we they say, can play instruments. We say save them, but they're under the thumb of yeah these very not-good people who are, like, the ruling, you know... Yeah, but they also like offer them some respect. That's true. So. It's like, I, I like a place yeah. to work from and gain knowledge from and kind of figure out what to do from.
1: Yeah, and uh, um, I, again, I, I didn't get to read the fanfic, but it seems to me that um, there should have been something initially that made them as a group um, significant in this world. Like maybe take a little page from the Isakai book where it gives them so, some sort of power that works when when they're together. Because otherwise, if they arrive someplace and they hate each other, then there's no real um, onus or impetus to stick together necessarily, and even, well, like even out of shock, if they stick with someone familiar, once that shock wears off and they're someplace else, they, what was to stop them from completely separating and going different directions?
0: Well, I but I think that's effective. I agree. I would have expected something special. Yeah. The fact that there's not, uh, belied my expectations. But it does work because, like Tori's suggested, that kind of, like, rebuilding of relationships or checking relationships between each other is a big thing. And they do not move as a unit, even once they're kind of, like, in constant stronghold. Hmm. There's a lot... There's a fair number of instances of, like, people shouting at each other because they did something unexpected or, like, went off by themselves without consulting anybody else, which you'd expect from a group that is not functioning as a, like, you know, cohesive unit.
2: Yeah, they're they're not. But I would, like to go back and talk, you know, a little bit about this the tone of this mm. kind of world. It's basically they're all horrified when they get there. It's very coarse and brutal. And there's a lot of stuff like when they first get to this royal palace, like this whole thing about palace virgins and the queen having a right to have sex with them before anyone else does have sex with them in that place kind of implied that everyone's having sex with everyone. And that if they do have sex with other people before the queen, they're going to get executed because she has a right to the palace virgins, but she can also give that right away to other people as if they're kind of property sexually. So what I want to say is that there's a lot of horrifying elements, both for the reader and for the Beatles being from our culture, essentially, um, kind of moving into this new world, which I think wants, they want to stick together because they're very afraid of this world. It's very violent and it's very coarse and it's very harsh to them. And I think that's what motivates them to stick together.
1: Yeah, I'm just talking about in a world where there's uh, magic and sorcerers and dragons and whatnot that, like, you would have this interpersonal conflict, but there would be some sort of um, other story force that would push them together. Like, oh, they're angry at each other right now, but they have to get together and summon Voltron in in order to win, you know? No,
2: there's not that. It's it's more (laughs) survival than it is anything. It's more fear of the unknown. There's a lot of fear and horror
0: and being and trauma. It's like... It's kind of rough reading, actually, which is it's why... It's very rough. It's very rough reading. And, like, we uh, you know, we were talking about stuff, the Beatles experience, but also there's, like, e- equal amounts of oppressions to, like, the peasant class that we we learn pretty early on that we don't get back to them once they're kind of, in, like, scooped up by the ruling class. And um, and so, yeah, it's it's rough. It's more like the world kind of grinding... At yeah. them and them trying to like cling to whatever, whatever lets them get by or gives right. them hope of returning home. And yeah,
2: and I agree with you, Dom, that I would have believed this more and liked this more if it was some reason they had to get together. <sighs> Instead, it seems like it's more just fear that propels them to cling to each other because they're the only known. Like known people in their lives that they and the only people who know where they came from, that's why they cling together and and I think that makes this a very difficult read. Because like
1: if we're talking about this like as if it was a movie genre, if it was a horror movie, then if there was a scary circumstance, then yeah. that'd make the group stick together. But if it's supposed to be an adventure, then it's supposed to be some sort of common bond or skill that sticks them together to but it's, through the story. But it's
0: almost more of a psychological movie, right. which is surprising.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: but I, I think, you know, what Dom's saying is like such a great point because I think that's what made this so uncomfortable to mm. me is I think it's it's not clear as a genre and even then it's not clear what causes the characters to stick together other than basically like... Well, well they don't, they don't all have the options. Yeah, they like really, we're they at, don't. Yeah, which makes it very uncomfortable. And I am um, I I have a person who finds like the horror genre really uncomfortable and I don't like to watch horror movies and I think maybe horror is exactly where this falls in terms of genre, mm. weirdly enough, yeah, because I, I think, think I right. would have placed it more as, yeah, like adventure. Right. When you think about, oh, this is throwing them into a fantasy world and then they're going to but they don't have fun. Everything that happens to them is Just absolutely no fun. terrible. <laughs> and kind of gross and sometimes just
0: really traumatizing. Well, sometimes so. there's strange other directions. Like, I want to talk about the kind of Paul Plot in book one. Well, just a quick question. Yeah. While
1: all this stuff is going on, is the alien collegiate hijinks mixed in with this? Or is yeah, and it's not changes? all...
0: It, it's mixed in. They kind of tend to do it as the story progresses, like, as a part at the start of each chapter. Mm-hmm. And so, for example they're kicked off their project early on because that senior who they got in their group because they needed three people mm-hmm. turns them in for having completely terrible ethics, <laughs> like experimental ethics. And I don't mean ethics towards their subjects. I mean just like falsifying what... The, they were supposed to take random samples, right? Poor and academic
1: and, ethics. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And so what that means is there's no... It's all so collegiate. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> mm. It's like they're, they're dropped from the class, which means they don't have computer priority access to run like to monitor and like run the experiment right right and this is 1980 whatever's computers where like you had to sign up for blocks and like the computer science students get dibs right and like other than that you have to like scrounge to try to find a block of time so you can run colossal cave adventure (laughs) off of like your you know room big computer or whatever right um and so like that's part of the problem and like there's a um they're using kind of like a crappy weak computer i feel like for a little while that like can't do a whole lot and you know computer here is being used in a general sense it's like a piece of technology whatever um which means like a weird thing happens to john where for reasons we don't need to get into someone ends up throwing some magic metamorphizing powder wow. on him <laughs> Do we
2: not need to get into those reasons? Do we? Go into it. Go go for it. Well, I'm not going to go into it a lot. I'm just saying (laughs) that there's a lot of political drama that's happening in this
1: world. And I think it's important to identify. Is that... Is that totally similar to the collegiate stuff that's going on?
2: No, no, not not <laughs> at the slightest. It's, yeah, it's like we're we're getting a lot of different worlds. We're getting the world of the Beatles, you know, their relationships with each other, which and is more or less the real world. Yeah. I mean, or someone's view of their relationships in the real yeah, world, exactly. right? Exactly. And then we're also getting this this fantasy world, that which has is its own political drama. And
0: when we say fantasy, I don't we don't mean D and D. We mean Game of Thrones.
2: Okay. But, like, even more gross. Oh, uh, well, it's hard.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's difficult.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right. But, like, I, the, the discussion of, like, I just want to side note, <laughs> the discussion of dirt and gross sex. Like, frequent, like, dirtiness, lack of bathing, and, like, gross sex stuff in this is, like, it's so often... That you just end up feeling dirty after every chapter. Oh, and you know what?
0: This I'm, whole world is disgusting. I, I guess the main thing is, unlike Game of Thrones, the food sucks too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> food is nasty as fuck. Like, basically
2: everything is nasty in this world. Just so, like, picture a fantasy world in which everything is nasty. That's no, where they are.
1: No, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why
2: it was hard to read this. But yeah, you also got the aliens. They don't pop up quite as often. No, anyway,
1: but, but h- how gross and nasty are the aliens, though? Uh, not at all. Violent? I don't think. <laughs> well, they don't describe
2: them
0: much, but I mean, I mean
1: yeah, they,
2: they seem a little. That, amoral, I don't, think, I don't but... think we ever
1: get a physical description
0: of the aliens. No, actually, no. I think they're supposed to be like beyond that kind of comprehension, maybe.
1: In my mind, they're cast just like Star Trek aliens, just people with some skin color and, like, antennas. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's
2: kind of how they were in my mind, too. Well, we get one description early on when, uh, what is it, v- Varks? Vark Shows up to Paul, and he's just, like, a shadow. That's even just but in the dream, though. Yeah, that's that's in the dream. Some kind of projection. Anyway. Anyway, my point was is that um, we have some political drama in our disgusting fantasy world. <laughs> and part of that has to do with... Um, you know, the whole god thing that we talked about earlier, Mata talked about earlier, and part of that has to do with, like, uh, some other political tension to the point where there's some, like, um,
0: what are they? Like, important figures in the court. There's two people who are basically next in line to rule. Yeah. And the current, like, we're using the term queen. That's not the actual title she uses. Mm-hmm. But the, the conqueror queen person is pretty old and kind of, like, you know, she's going to kick the bucket in the next few years. Yeah. At least these people are hoping so, whatever. There's a lot of jockeying
2: But yeah, so in that she sense.
0: takes a liking to the Beatles. And, and... Paul in particular, who, who goes out of his way to try to charm her. Yeah. Magically with his magic music. No, no, not like that. <laughs> he doesn't have any magic music. But yeah, one of these figures
2: does a spell on John. And it's a transformation
0: spell. Well, it's, it's like yeah, some kind of transformation powder. In this powder, case, it's not yes. like it's not like a spell that is cast, even though those no. things exist too. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like one of the cool things about this is when the there's the intersection of bizarre collegiate alien hijinks mm-hmm. and like stuff that's happening in this crapsack fancy world mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like w- What this stuff normally does is kind of just cause random mutations like Warhammer style Like you're probably gonna end up as a chaos spawn with like four heads and 17
1: yeah. tentacles or that's whatever just what happens when you go through the warp, you know? And, <laughs> and, <But> yeah,
2: <laughs> the the aliens are watching. They're like not John poor John. No, and, and, what can we do? And, and for one thing you're like,
0: why did you choose to put him in this situation? Like, but, this whole uh, world has
2: been nothing but nastiness. Like, why did you do this if you cared about him? Maybe
1: they should give him at least, like, a plus one sword or something. I know,
2: right? Yeah. Which is
0: clearly something that could be
1: done. <laughs> that's
0: even a point that a later character yeah. makes. But anyway. Anyway, the point is the computer they're using at that time to monitor is, like, really weak. And all they're able to do is, like, redirect the energies of the mutation so it's not random mutations. And they turn him into another kind of creature that is known to them and, like, you know, on on file or whatever, mm. which is, like, a winged humanoid, right? Like yeah. a buff-winged humanoid. And yep. it's kind of hilarious because, like, they give him... They use that energy to turn him into one of these. And later on, like, once a lot of this shakes out and, like, the other beetles get to see him and they're looking at him and Paul in particular is thinking, like, it's not even, like... Paul grew wings. It's like Paul's head is on somebody else's body. Like a John, big... Like, yeah. Sorry, it's like John's head is on, like, a big, buff, muscular body that's not belong <laughs> yeah. to him with, like, giant wings. He gets buff and he grows, like, I guess angel wings, basically. <laughs> Which is kind of hilarious to picture John Lennon's head on, like, oh Angel from the X-Men or something. Yeah, like... Oh, my... Because he was always, like, kind of skinny, too. And also, like, right. John Lennon, like... You know my disdain, but... Ugh. I remember you saying expressing pleasure to me that John Lennon is portrayed as kind of like an unpleasant, you know, jerk in this fanfic.
2: Because he is like even in the fictional Beatles realities, like even Hard Day's Night, he's kind of an asshole to everybody. But it's like played off as cute. But like the reality is, is he literally, you know, he was abusive to his first wife. And I don't know if he got better, but he has a song about getting better. The that song where he goes "Yeah, I used to get mad at my woman. I beat her and kept her away from the things that I love. But I'm getting better all the time." That's the lyric he wrote, and people just sing that song like, "Ha, that's hilarious." I mean, I hope that he improved himself as a person, but in general, like, I, I think there's a large part of people like people who perceive him
0: as being an asshole too. So, anyway, well. Getting, growing wings that actually function is pretty much the only thing that anybody is, hap, is happy about in the whole fanfic in terms of the Beatles. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. John's way into that. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, John, John, I, I have them right. Yeah. Uh, once he figures out what's
2: going on. I, I will say that, you know, it is funny to see them as characters in this because, I don't know, we haven't really talked a lot about it, but we did mention George basically is just calling out to Krishna all the time because, you know, this point he's a kari krishna and that's his spirituality but like it's oh yeah i said
0: buddhist of course not buddhist he's Hari krishna
2: yeah but it, I mean it's also made influenced. out to be like weirdly comical and like the only aspect of his personality ringo is very minimized as a character ringo's hardly there he's hardly there which yeah, have, is not uncommon for the fictionalized Beatles, right
1: yeah y'all y'all have said nothing about richard starsky <laughs> richard he's <Starkey>. also there <laughs> yeah
2: he is also are there. you sure
0: um, I mean, no.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't show up much. He doesn't get involved. A lot of the conflicts between John and Paul, and, you know, we mentioned early, Paul thought that John had, like, kidnapped him through Yoko because Yoko was manipulating. It oh, was That's weird. cleared up pretty soon. That's yeah, just panic. But what I mean is that for characterization, we have, yeah, John's John's a bit of an asshole, and, and Paul's a peacemaker. kind of paranoid... A bit, yeah. He's he's definitely supposed to be, I think, for the author, their, like, main uh, link to rationality in this. But George is just, like, over the top with his spirituality to the point where he's almost nothing other than being a Krishna. So, mm-hmm. and trying to rectify his religion with what this world is giving him and...
0: Uh, I think it's effective. I, I think it's effective in terms of different ways of people is totally freaking the fuck out about something that they should be freaking out over. Yeah, because but... you know Paul's Paul's attitude is that like he's the one who's always looking for something they can do that provides some avenue of hope or helping. You know, maybe get yeah. them back home. Paul's definitely the I rational. Mean, one. You need well, I mean, yeah, he's also panicked a lot, but yeah, yeah, but all th- of the four, he's the he's the one who's trying to do the most useful things most often. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I only read up through the first book, which is called a uh, movement, and it's called Fabulosity. I don't know why. And it does feel like a cohesive book, because at the end of it, the situation changes drastically. As you might expect in a society where they're outsiders and there's a lot of like taboos and like rules that they're under the thumb over, or else they'll probably be killed.
1: They uh, end up tied to a stake and about to be set on fire? Yeah, Oh, cool! Call no, I, that's. I mean, not, <laughs> yeah.
0: not. Not. They're not actually tied to the stake.
1: Yeah, on executioners' block or hangman's et etc. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and they're they're teleported away by this kind of ally that they made, who doesn't necessarily yeah. like them that much, but like she's really looking for well, avenues. Yeah. To, no one likes them very much in this world. No <laughs> one likes anyone in this world. But who is, has clung to them in a couple of ways as like a possible way of getting her own goals accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she teleports them out while claiming that she's disintegrating them with her magic.
1: Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh,
0: and yeah. they're supposed to go do something for her across the chasm. Um, well, yeah, originally she was going to come with them, but then some circumstances intervened, and she couldn't. She has this kind of makeshift D&D plan to get herself across the chasm. It's it's, it's kind of, like, interesting well, well, once you pick up all the details, because she was banished by the gods across the chasm mm-hmm. and cursed that any boat that she steps foot on will sink. She's grew the Wanderer, basically, mm-hmm. in that sense. And so she can't get back. She hasn't been able to contact any of her friends across the chasm. And so she's like, oh, you grew wings, and you can fly, and you can propel yourself. Yeah. I have all this magic stored up, and I'm going to use it, and you can fly me across the chasm for multiple days, and I'll keep casting strength spells on you so you can carry me, and I'll keep casting, like, nutrition spells <laughs> on you so you don't have to eat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul's like, uh, K? <laughs> no, Sorry, John, who has the wings. Yeah. like." Okay, sure, I guess. And but eventually it falls apart because of the extremely like minor detail that like he needs more food than she had taken yeah. into account like to maintain his like super hyper buff able to fly body. And anyway, it's all very specific. Anyway, all I'm going for with that is that there's a lot of characters who have their have very specific goals to which the beetles are very peripheral. And it's kind of a cool thing about the setting is that like it feels real in that sense where like, just because there's now some British musicians in this setting, it doesn't really change all of these existing power dynamics and schemes and you know, people's personal interests and no one really cares about them except the extent that they would. And Yeah. yeah, it's kind of well done, honestly, in that sense. It's kind of
2: strange, though, because you really expect when the the aliens pull them together specifically and and at the very start that they're going to be the center of this this whole story in this whole narrative. And especially because they're they're sort of sort of developing better relationships with one another. They're at least John and Paul are at least speaking to one another now. Mm-hmm. And frequently, they are playing as quote unquote, bards in This world they're playing music together to the point where their their fingers are getting bloody because apparently they were renewed to a, a younger state where they didn't have the strong calluses of playing music for decades. Weren't they so still they, musicians at that point? Well, they were musicians, and you know, since they were teenagers, so
1: they'd already have calluses on their- one assumes, <laughs> yeah.
2: But apparently, <laughs> yeah. once you're you
0: know 40, you have bigger better calluses?
2: I don't know. So so it's not time
0: regression, it's
1: body regression. That's the
0: implication. It's not like they have the exact bodies they had at that point. It's that they're youthened, and as a result, they lost some of these things. That That, that was my read on it.
2: Yeah, I guess that's the only read you can take. I mean, their hair goes back to where they were in like the height of Beatlemania. So you would assume they still have finger calluses, but I guess they don't. Point being is, yeah, there's a lot of little things. Um, Any other little things you want to talk about? Well... No, actually, a couple of big things mm. before the end of this. Um, there's a thing that happens with John's transformation. His psychology is affected by this. Like, he just wants to fly no matter what. And he feels, like, super weird and powerful. And, like, his brain is affected by his transformation. And it's super scary for him. And then also, he, because it's so scary, he's given a drug by the... The female mage they meet that makes them kinda, you know, calm down and they have a weird interaction because of that. Well yeah, she she um, needs to like
0: get him under control before he like shows yeah. anyone he has wings, which would be cause for being murdered.
2: Right. And at first he thinks he can't fly and then he does. So there's a there's a few little beats, but the big thing is uh something that happens with George. Um that happens in this book. Yeah, yeah. Book one. Yeah. No. I don't There's I don't want to talk about this, but... Well,
0: we don't have to dwell on it, but it's worth it's yeah. worth mentioning. Well, among...
2: it's important to mention.
0: Yeah. Um... yeah, Among the sexual assault that's happening kind of in the background of this setting, which is terrible, is that George is, like, assaulted at the end of book one. Yeah. And, like, a magic drug is involved. It's It seems traumatic, but I didn't really have time to read the follow-up because the follow-up doesn't really happen. That happens at, like, the climax of book one. So there's no... There's no time for a lot of fallout from it in what I had read.
2: yeah, there's a lot
0: of stuff going on around
2: and sex in this, and actually uh George's reaction is explored more. I read uh maybe two or three chapters into the second uh the second part. It's explored more. And I actually kind of hate the way it's explored more in that part because he questions whether it was actually assault because he was willing at the time, and it's he was only willing because of this drug, but um, it's important for his character arc because he's questioning his faith in Krishna, not his faith specifically, but where it's led him in his life, and if like it's led him away from like all human pursuits. Hmm. So when he thinks about that sexual experience, he's like, oh well. I understand now that I'm I'm still a human and I understand that I don't have to give up my faith in Krishna to accept that maybe everything that's led me here isn't an act of God. So in the second book it's explored that this act of assault that occurs towards him is a way of him understanding that he can accept being in this other world without thinking that Krishna has either abandoned him or made it so. Mm-hmm but I kind of hate that his assault was a vehicle for that. <laughs> um, and it's pretty weird because there, yeah, there's, like you said about, a lot of assault happening in the background. Basically they have they have these magic spells and drugs and they have this idea of castle well, virgins. Also, well, and, and also
0: the cast, not cast, but like social classes, you yes. know, things going on between the Conquerors and, mm-hmm. the, and the Conquered. Yeah, and
2: it, it's kind of like a George R. 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 Martin plus thing where it's like this is supposed to create interest and really, to me, just made everything a lot worse and way harder to read. Well, it all, it's also supposed to create horror. And mm-hmm. to that
0: extent... It is horrifying. It is horrifying.
2: <laughs> uh, it was already horrifying enough, I think. And as we get into, um, if we're going to talk about the, the second part, yeah, well, that's,
0: you're the only one who can, yeah. but go ahead and tell us. I mean, I'm just going to
2: tell you a little. It's it's basically starts out, they end up in, they they cross the chasm, I guess, to a new world. And in this world, when they arrive, everyone's just like fighting each other in the streets and like beating each other up like crazy. And uh, the first thing that happens is when they get there, I think it's John who's hurt from the journey of flying them across or no no it's George somehow they're all injured and I don't remember how but crossing the chasm everybody's kind of gotten injured somehow they're offered a healing potion and they take it right away and we shortly find out that in this new world people kind of like get upset with each other and beat up on each other and then quickly take healing potions because they play in this bar where they're like lauded as bards and they're playing the music and everybody likes them and all of a sudden everyone starts fighting one another, like viciously and brutally, and they have to hide under a table and they're all scared. And Ringo's super drunk and uh George is finally the place where he's like, This is may not be an act of God or it doesn't matter and they're all hiding under the table and they finally get up and they get hurt and blah blah. blah. And then everybody stops fighting and they all take healing potions. So in the new world they're in, I guess that
0: that's how it is that's kind of interesting since this is like the world with gods with like you know yes as a DD player i think of as clerical magic and it's like i'm curious it's interesting to 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 read more yeah yeah, i I would assume that comes from the gods because there was nothing Mm -hmm. like that in the on the other side of the chasm where the gods were not around right and yeah imagining if you reach a certain level of accessibility of healing magic like that i've never I've never encountered anyone really exploring, like, societal fallout from that.
2: Yeah. Well, that was kind of the weird part of this fanfic for me, is it kind of felt like various, like, some of the darker, like, Doctor Who episodes pieced together, but, like, all of them as a string. Because every time they go to somewhere else, it's, like, some dark thing that they have to realize. And I think the healing potion and fighting one is the best example. So it's like, ah, in this world... They all fight each other because they have healing potion. And it's like... So it's kind of like the worst version of Kino's Journey. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so much more Kino's Journey than is everything, huh? It's like very Kino's Journey.
1: And so while this is going on, I assume the um, aliens have to get more alien pledges to the alien frat or they'll lose their alien charter.
2: (laughs) Mm. Well, there's no mention so (laughs) far of the aliens in the first three chapters of the
0: second book. So Yeah, the status quo was that they got that other runner to help... At, yeah, help him out because he had like computer renting privileges, computer sign-up privileges. He was that they didn't. like
2: the uh, the son of the headmaster of the sc- or a uh, dean of the school
0: or something like that. The alien son of the important. alien dean of the alien He was important school. for some well, reason. Yeah, no, he he was some exchange student, but had like done some mm. like super great oh, like okay. he, a lot of work on the computer systems or something, and therefore they had you know rewarded him with mm. priority access. I think, th- I think the quote you're thinking of is they were saying, like, you could kick off the Dean's child, like, oh, off the computer. Oh, okay, that's he, right, yeah. Yeah. He said he wanted computer time or whatever. He was just, like, that important. I mean, yeah. It's just a shame that the Beatles didn't get in the situation, you know, 30 years later when they all had super powerful computers in their <laughs> alien pockets to run these things right. off of. Right. Of course.
2: <laughs> it's just, this fanfic did not go at all where I was expecting it to go.
0: It's,
1: uh, yes. In
0: conclusion...
1: Well, because you, you sold this to this to us as a uh, Beatles-slash-D&D crossover. That was
0: my impression. And <laughs> it's, so... It's yeah, not it, wrong. It, it, it's not right. <laughs> I mean, the, the type of fantasy this is is not really D&D fantasy. No. And I mean, it, it really wasn't claiming to be. I just knew that D&D had been an influence on the author's idea. The author wasn't selling it like that, really. I, And so, right, in the end, I feel like this fanfic is actually pretty good at being what it is trying to be. It's just that's not what I expected, and it's not really what I wanted.
1: Which was horrifying. Yeah, I agree,
0: but, like, what do you think this fanfic is trying to be? I think this fanfic is trying to be what you were describing, is like, testing the Beatles through horrifying, like, terrible (laughs) circumstances,
1: you know? Yeah.
0: And exploring their characters in that way. And I feel like the alien angle, which is the entertaining part, is secondary. It's completely secondary. It's yes. not it's not what the story's about at all.
1: It was a conceit in order to make the the main idea happen. Right.
0: And so as the Beatles going through terrible, traumatizing shit and seeing how that affects them and their relationships, I feel like It evokes the emotions competently. It sets up character work competently. The writing's not bad either. Um, It's just not pleasant to read. No, it's not. I mean, nothing
2: about this is badly done or badly written. Nothing. No. It's just, it's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the author cared about the Beatles You know, and how they were as, like, at least caricatures of the humans they were, but, or how the author perceived them as humans, getting back together as a group, as a fan, you know, of the Beatles, the way a fan would be. Mm. They cared about that, but they also cared about creating this kind of, like, yeah, horrifying, grotesque (laughs) fantasy world. They also cared about this whole, like, alien plot conceit in which the aliens were running a D&D game in which the Beatles were players except also that, real people. So this is so many promises. That's they're not all exactly jammed what together. the situation is, but yeah, I get
0: well, it. Well, I mean, how else would you put it? Uh, the, the aliens are running a lab rat experiment where the Beatles are the lab sure. rats. Sure. And then they lose access to their lab rat maze. Fine. But it,
2: <laughs> but it also, like, fails to acknowledge that, that the author is, like kind of making a DD and d type conceit out of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you know, I know, especially when that other runner comes in. It's a lot more, that's kind like, of the metaphor being used. Yeah, we're playing a game with them as the characters was right. like something the author wanted to do, I guess. It, it's just, it's a lot and none of it is
0: bad. It, it's just weird. <laughs> so, so I think we're about at the point where we can wrap up our discussion. But I'm not even sure, you know, normally I ask, what did we not like about the fanfic? And then what did we like about the fanfic? And I'm having trouble untangling my own thoughts about the (laughs) fanfic in the first place, just to like think about that in those terms. Well,
2: and I agree with that. And to me, I would identify that as something that I didn't like, because there is so much going on in this that it becomes convoluted. And... I understand that the author had like a clear idea of where they were going with all these different threads, because that is apparent, but the fact that when you read it as a reader, you end up confused, I think is a point of criticism, especially because you're a little bogged down by some of the like more dirty and grotesque details, such as sexual assault being involved in this, when, you know, I've said before, and I'll say again, it's not necessary. So there's my criticism.
0: I'm wondering if I should praise that just out of general like (laughs) principle that like we're used to genre fiction right Mm -hmm. Uh, being able to mostly identify what kind of writing something is and like I'm not sure I've read anything like this like not really
1: not really
0: this genre that the author seems to have like created even like I was comparing to Game of Thrones but Game of Thrones has its themes and, like, broad world interests that this doesn't have. Because it's very at the level of how this world affects the four characters. Like if It's like if we were reading Game of Thrones, but only through the perspective of, like, you know, uh, some random... <laughs> Person who'd been transported. Turnip
2: there. salesman. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> like yeah,
1: okay. Cabbage salesman or something? Cabbage salesman, right?
0: <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. It's just... It's memorable. I really like that it has this commitment to doing its own extremely idiosyncratic thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's praiseworthy. Even though I didn't like reading it, and I'm not going to keep reading it. <laughs> you so, know, <laughs> where my praise comes in is that
2: I didn't like reading it either. Right. And that's be- <laughs> Like, I... I but... But I must have on some level. It was horrifying and grotesque and and gross and hard to read. But, like, I do get where the author's coming from. They're coming from this, like, gritty medieval fantasy. Right. Where, like, they're trying to be very realistic
0: It's part to... of that, like... It's part of that pushback against the normal fantasy genre where it's like, no, look, none of this would be pleasant. All of this would be terrible. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's actually
2: a really good thing to do is to point out, like... Why would you idealize like an extrapolation of medieval times? Right. Like they were the Dark Ages. Like things were bad. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's be real. And the author's into that, but I kept reading beyond our assigned reading mm-hmm. because I wanted to know what was gonna happen. So I they that... created something really compelling. There's something here. really gripping about it. Like, actually, I thought it was super gross. And every as, <laughs> as I was reading, I was like, I know this is gonna get worse but I want to know. So I that's why praise is they created a really compelling story. And I didn't even care that the characters were the Beatles because, you know, I'm a little old and beyond caring about the Beatles as the concept, but also because they didn't really feel like those people would feel to me. They were just, you know, they weren't interesting characters enough to me, or at least they weren't likable characters enough, but I still wanted to know where their journeys were taking them because the world was interesting and because their, um, yeah, I may have misspoke. My point is they weren't likable characters, but they were interesting characters. I wanted to see where their journeys were taking. Except Ringo. (laughs) Yeah. Ringo, I, yeah, didn't have enough for me, but actually at the start of the second part was getting something. Oh, really? I mean, I I guess...
0: It's not like the author would just ignore Ringo. That makes sense. No. Yeah, I, I, feel well, like it's, I feel like I feel it's more I like the author had enough yeah. balls in the air in book one. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. you're right. There was just nothing. I knew Ringo was going to
2: become a character, and I still believe Ringo would become more of a character. So maybe might, he'll get that plus one sword and <laughs>
1: yeah. carry the party through. So what mm-hmm. you're saying is you you liked how it um, it moved you, even if it was in some weird direction sometimes.
2: And it's all very unexpected. I right. think that's the compelling part. Is like. I still have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> right. And that compels me quite a bit.
1: That's actually a bit rare in fiction. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. I yeah. have no idea what's
2: going on. I like, was... Maybe that's a part of what makes it so uncomfortable
1: to read. That could be. Is like, if you know someone's going to have a big terrible battle, but it's like, oh, I, I know this formula. It's going to fight against the dragon. It's going to win. It's going to go mm-hmm. home. Then that's not really tension, is it?
0: Yeah. This This it's... really happened to me earlier. You know the Babysitter's Club comic adaptations that Raina Telgemeier used to draw? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, she's stopped. no idea what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> so, so there's adaptations of the Babysitter's Club books in comics. Mm-hmm. And Raina Telgemeier, who's a great artist, did like the first mm-hmm. five of them. And the next few, they switched to different artists. Who's good? They're not Raina Telgemeier, but, you know. <laughs> I was picking up the most recent one of those because I was like, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed reading those, you know, kid comic series things. And once the conflict was set up, in that story, I just knew the whole shape of the story for yeah. the rest of the book. And I was just like, I am i don't even really want to read this. But I just put it back down.
1: That was the Harmark Channel movie problem. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but there are some stories where you know the shape of the story and it's very comforting. Yeah, that, that's true. And or you or, or want like, to see it's that.
0: about how it unfolds. Yeah. Yes. In that sense, it's true. It's like, I knew, it, I also knew how it was going to unfold, like, mm-hmm. beat for beat. But that's just because it was Babysitter's Club. Yeah. So
1: on TV, they had a, uh, <laughs> on Nick Channel, they had. Randomly, I guess it came out this year, if not this month or something. A SpongeBob live musical yeah, show. Yeah, I saw
0: that that was on air.
1: Yeah, it would. It was good. <laughs> it was, I was expecting it to be complete crap, but it was good. But because what they did was like, they didn't try to do anything weird or surprising with the story. Like you saw, you know, knew exactly what was going to happen. But what they did was they did uh, good performances and ways of telling and, and doing action. Like in the in the meantime, like they did good performances. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like, they had good songs. They had good good dances. They did unique things with the uh, costumes and props.
0: That's true. You can do a lot with execution.
1: Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the, there was one thing where they were doing oh, a, yeah. doing a song about being a sponge. And what they did was, like, they blacked out the stage and had everybody come on and had sponges that were dipped in, like, um, glow paint or something. And they would shape them and they'd do, like, motions, of, like, wave patterns and, like, make creatures out of them, all the songs going on. And that was unique and interesting. It wasn't surprising. <laughs> it, didn't, it wasn't a weird story, but it was good. Yeah, it, it can be comforting and can be good. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's also shows, you know, like um, where, like in Steven Universe, or like uh, I recently watched the season of The Dragon Prince, where like you wouldn't be surprised if a character might die, mm-hmm. like because they create that potential for you that a character could die or something really bad could happen. Yeah. But, you know, you're usually set up for that contingency. Whereas I think what this story does is make it really unsettling to the point where you're like, I just I I can't know what the contingency might be. Like anything could happen at any point.
1: I think that draws it back to the Game of Thrones comparison where mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of people were surprised at
2: one, yeah. one remaining many characters but, dying. <laughs> The first time, at the end of the first book, when Ned Stark dies, you just know that, like, characters yeah. are going to die. And then you, and that, th- and then you
1: follow, you know, and yeah. it just
2: doesn't matter anymore. You're like, yeah, a bunch of people are going to die. Like, that's what you expect.
1: That'd be the, I don't want to say enlightened, but maybe experienced yeah. thing, I think. Whereas
2: I think in this story, it's like you, you kind of... No, the Beatles aren't going to die. And, like, yeah, That's probably true. people aren't going to die, but, like, really fucking weird stuff is going to happen. You don't know what that stuff's <laughs> going to be. Like, you just have no
0: fucking clue. It's more like you know that the Beatles are not going to die because you and the author both know that would not be as interesting. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, but John Lennon turns into, like, a, like a
2: weird, Harvey muscular Birdman. angel. Yeah. And But, like, that's not that, like, fucking weird, except that, like, it affects him mentally and makes him, like, kind of crazy. And then, like, yeah, a lot of weird shit happens that you just couldn't expect. It, sounds it, it like doesn't it, fit.
1: It sounds like it should be wacky in tone.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it it's not. But it's not. The tone is weird and gross. So, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. My brain is
0: broken from this fanfic, and I blame you, Amato. You should. And <laughs> uh, I will. In terms of other people you can blame, I realized we never mentioned the author's name. Oh. The author's name is D. Aviva Rothschild. And once again, they've got a website up with links to the first two books of the story, uh, physical copies of the book and its sequel, and, you know, other stuff. It's a fairly thorough website, history of it and all that. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrstrings. This was episode 66 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. It occurs to me that it's likely to be the Christmas episode. (laughs) So, uh, Merry, yeah, pretty much. I kind of meant to get in a little Harry Potter cute Christmas-themed thing in there somewhere, but life got in the way. So instead you get just horrible things happening to the Beatles. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Well, not everybody celebrates Christmas. Yeah. Not everybody likes the Beatles. This is also our,
1: our last episode for the year, right?
0: Um, Is that the case? Actually, I think we're going to have something filling the space on 1230 if this goes out 1223. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So not quite. But uh, I think we will have recorded that earlier. So it might, you know, effectively be the last time we're talking about the time. (laughs) Now, the next fanfic that we discuss as episode 67 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective is going to be a very special time. Because we are going to be talking about what legends are made of. The Pokemon fanfic written by our good friend Taran. And I'd just like to state for the record that he's the one who suggested that we do this. I'm
1: going to keep shouting that over and over again. <laughs>
0: yeah. Look, I- I'm reading it. Um, I would... If I was Tarin, I would not have suggested we talk about this on air.
2: I just want to put it out there that Tarin and I were together for four years, and he uh, never allowed me to read this, so
0: this is going to be a new experience for me. It's going to be a reopening old wounds for Tarin because, you know, I mocked it mercilessly back when I found out about it, as documented on my published MSTings <laughs> online. Well, I'm excited to find out what this holds. And once again, that's likely to be the week after next. The very first fanfic that we look at in the cold, harsh light of 2020.
1: Also, our first episode with the author physically present.
0: Yes, we've yeah. avoided that so far because I like being not punched. Feels
1: like a dark portal has <laughs> opened.
0: <laughs> well, I can't
2: decide whether I'm laughing more about not punched or the dark portal.
1: <laughs> in the meantime, next week is a fun little diversion. Where uh, Amato and Tori return to the Utna text adventure game.
0: Yeah, we actually uh, yeah. make some progress that time. Yeah,
1: unlike sort the first of. time.
2: Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. We we talk to some people and uh, seduce some others.
0: You <laughs> it's make a good some. Time. You make some mental progress in your own dark descent. That's true.
1: Yes. <laughs> so look forward to that.
0: Look forward to it. If you have any idea what we're talking about when we talk about Utna,
1: if you want to get caught up, you can uh, check out the other text adventure episode. Yeah,
0: and maybe also the series Utena. I feel like Utena is like the most obscure thing that we talk about regularly. Is that true?
1: This would be the fourth time in our 60-something episodes. Yes. I think that makes it not obscure.
0: <laughs> no, I don't mean obscure to our listeners. I mean obscure on an absolute sense. Right. Like nothing else. The other things that we go back to are like Harry Potter and mm-hmm. Star Trek and Star Wars. And? Um, D- Digimon. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, if, like, Udon just as popular as Star Wars, right? Oh yeah, I do remember the you know, there wasn't there a documentary called like Uchin-Metis <laughs> back in the day. No, <laughs> <laughs> no <I'm not. laughs> all, all kinds of academic papers. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if we're likely to lose anybody. Have our listeners, it's probably on our various Udna episodes.
1: I don't know. According to the our friends, Yasha and Mana, they actually give us a bit of a boost, so I think we're more likely to pick up viewers or listeners. Right. <laughs>
0: I guess if our listeners are unfamiliar with Udna, we just need better listeners. Correct. Right?
1: A higher caliber. I mean,
2: <laughs> wait a second. If our listeners are currently unfamiliar with Udna, mm-hmm. they should watch Udna, and if they don't like it, then they should stop being our listeners.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say they should watch Utena and then they will be a better caliber of person. Well, that was kind of the implication of the statement, but yes.
1: Why they don't like surreal narratives? Um, Uh. I don't
0: understand the question. Who doesn't like surreal narratives?
1: I don't know. Like, hypothetically, people that like structured stories just, you know, spitball on. Talk about uh,
0: particular. <laughs> people who like structure shouldn't be listening to this podcast. I'm confused.
1: Our, our podcast is surprisingly structured. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what we is talk structure? about a fanfic every week.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, that's what you'll be listening to next week because I'm sure you'll be listening to it. Enjoy. What were we talking about? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. We were talking about this. As for this, this was episode 66 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the first movement of the fanfic with strings attached. That movement is called Fabulosity. A Beatles fanfiction, essentially, uh, by D. Aviva Rothschild. One more time, the link there bit.ly slash RFR strings. Check it out because I'm not sure. We were comprehensible talking about it here, other than it's very weird and unpleasant and interesting. <laughs> if that sounds good to you, go check it out. The intro song to the podcast is the weekly fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album, because the Rights to Beatles music is very expensive, mm. and this stuff is free. You can find those free albums and other work by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Can you find works by people other than Komiku as well?
1: Um, I think they go by different names for different projects. Hmm.
0: Okay. Can you find stuff by the Beatles there?
1: I doubt it. They mostly specialize in royalty-free music, so... Mm. Beatles (sighs) is the opposite of royalty-free music. It's like the opposite of that, yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 Royalty-full.
1: Oh, my God. chock full choco block full of royalty, yeah.
0: You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic. Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, Facebook at Retro Fanfic. I changed up the order there just to make it more interesting. Ooh. Or you could leave comments or reviews on whatever service you use, mostly Apple Podcasts probably. That's where people seem to want them.
1: I just also want to say, if you're interested in the topic of fanfiction in general, you should take a look at the Twitter, because auto regularly updates it with different um, insights about fanfiction that, that come up. I do monitor the <laughs>
0: fanfiction discussion on Twitter a little bit. And, yeah, also, speaking of comments and communicating with us, if you want to get a question or comment in or some kind of suggestion before the end of the year, now is your chance. If not, you can just make it your New Year's resolution next time to send us more comments and questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll approve. Mm-hmm. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms who have not yet been plucked to a hostile alien world trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take
1: care. Not yet. <laughs> it's gonna happen that's all I can well, say it has to be after we
2: break up you know as a band you're right
1: well I, I, I'm gonna go solo anyways <laughs> Mm-hmm. Steven's nose has always kind of freaked me out.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit weird, but that's kind of a Steven Universe nose. I spend most of my time mm-hmm. just
1: not looking at it. <laughs> not thinking
0: about it. it most, is, most of your time is, is life. I did hard. <laughs> it, it too long. So I, I watched the episodes too. They mm-hmm. were pretty good. Yeah. I liked them. I like... It, it's fun returning to old plot threads like Jasper. What? And ja- yeah. ja- I like... I mean, obviously Jasper is like an excellent Piccolo slash Vegeta type person. But my favorite line read slash combination was when Stephen's like, you know, fine, like you want me to fight you? Sure, I'll fight you. And it's like the genuine pleasure in her face where she's like, really? (laughs) (laughs) You sure?
1: Like genuinely, that's like making her day. The fact that like he's going to try to fight her.